Welcome to the maiden voyage of the Dynasty Dreamers podcast. I'm your host, Joe Galloway. I'm joined by my co-host, Luigi Federico. Good morning, everybody. And Ryan Nunn. What's up, guys? Collectively, we are the Dynasty Dreamers. We go to bed thinking about Dynasty. We dream about Dynasty. We wake up thinking about Dynasty. You get the picture. Since this is our first episode, I thought we would take a few minutes to introduce ourselves. Let's start with Luigi. How's everyone doing today? My name is Luigi Federico. I'm 25 years old. My partner and I just had our second kid in the middle of December. I'm a New England Patriots fan, which has been a family team since my family moved to the U.S. in the 70s. I play in a wide variety of formats, which includes, but not limited to, Tampa Stacanton, Regular Devi, IDP, Theme Leagues, and Bonus Leagues. I started 2023 with well over 40 leagues, but I started to cut those back this offseason already. Just a side note, Ryan and I try really hard not to hold the Patriots thing against Luigi. Ryan, you're up next. Hello, my name is Ryan Dunn. I'm 43 years old and have a 16-year-old daughter. I have been a Carolina Panthers fan since day one. I have been playing Dynasty for six years now. All my Dynasty leagues are super flex and have a passion for the format. I'm in approximately 20 leagues and like to build my team around the QB position. Hello, everyone out there. My name is Joe Galloway. I'm 44 years old. I have a wife and three kids, two of which are grown. My family and I are huge Carolina Panthers fans. I just completed my sixth season of Dynasty football. I got started in 2017 in a 10-man league with friends that included my co-hosts. I currently have 18 Dynasty teams and will certainly add more this offseason. All of my leagues are super flex. Some of them are tight end premium. Some of them are point per carry. On a side note, all of our opinions and conversation on this podcast will be with Superflex rules in mind. Let's talk about off-season plans. So we're heading into the second week of the NFL playoffs. Dynasty championships have been won. Payouts have been made. The combine is right around the corner. It's never too early to start thinking about your off-season moves. This time of the year, up until close to the NFL draft, I'm mostly just trying to acquire value where I can. I still like to have a tentative plan for where I think each one of my teams will be heading during this point during the scoring season. Yeah, this time of the year is probably the most exciting and fun part about Dynasty. I love the non-point scoring part of the, the year. Um, lo- looking at all the young players and accumulating assets uh, that are looking to grow instead of depreciate uh, and getting those players off my roster is a huge thing to do. Yeah, I think this point of the, of the year is where I try to uh, maybe sell some of my later draft picks uh, depending on how my team looks because this is where a lot of teams are fiending for those picks because rookie fever starts getting pretty high around this time. I start evaluating my teams as soon as the dynasty playoffs end. I want to have a plan for every one of my teams by the end of the NFL draft at the latest. I place my teams in four categories. Win now, pretty self-explanatory. Win later, also self-explanatory. Win now and later. It's rare that a team enters this category, but it's sweet when it does. Finally, there is the win now question mark category. This is reserved for teams that I feel like could be competitive, but I'm not sure if they have quite enough. I use these four categories to decide if I'm going to go for the gold with a team or if I'm going to blow it up for a rebuild. I always go in with the mindset that any team could potentially be a rebuild candidate. Even championship rosters are not immune from a possible rebuild retool approach the year after winning it all. During this time of the year, I am looking to trade some of my win later assets that are Still at their high peak of their value uh, for younger assets and draft picks, hoping to late to accumulate value and then later on towards the rookie draft as those picks uh, gain the value, I'm looking to then decide on whether or not my team is win now or win later and pivot from that point. Absolutely, 100% agree with you. And this this is, but I do like to look at my team and say this is where. I, even this early in the year and say, I, this is where I think it's going. Now, if I'm able to, to, to flip some veteran running backs for late first or a couple of seconds, I'll do that. On almost every single team, I'll do that. But this is more of a you know exercise in, this is where I think my team is heading. This is where I think I'll be at or, or close to where I'll be at once the rookie draft comes around. So just a little more clarification on when later question mark. What exactly does that mean to you? So with a team like that, I'm trying all offseason up to the point of the rookie draft to trade for younger assets, picks, you know, so and so, so on and so forth. 
if I get to the point in the rookie draft and I haven't been super successful in doing that, uh, I usually just, just go ahead and decide that I'm going to not really trade out of what youth I have and not really trade out of any of my picks and just see what happens more or less. Uh, you know, sometimes those teams will surprise you and they'll, they'll make a playoff run. Sometimes you'll be two and four by week six and your, your path is completely clear. So it's, it's kind of what I would consider like a limbo phase. And I don't really like for my teams to be there, but whenever you've got 18 dynasty teams, it's just going to happen with some of your teams. In my opinion, I, I think anyone that's got a multitude of dynasty teams knows what I'm talking about. That brings us to the main segment of today's show. I've selected one of my teams for us to analyze. I provided Luigi and Ryan with the details of the league a couple of days beforehand so that they could make an informed decision about how they would proceed with the roster. We have provided the league settings and roster information in the thumbnail if you are listening on YouTube. Please feel free to comment below on what types of moves you would consider making with this roster. Here are the important things to know about the league and team. This is a 12-team Superflex 2.0 tight end premium. The starting requirements are one quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, one tight end, one super flex, and two regular flex. In 2022, this team finished with a record of 6-8. and eight. It, That was ninth place. Finished ninth in the league in scoring, with potential points as the 10th highest scoring team. Notable players on this team include a quarterback, Justin Herbert, Tua, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, at running back, Cam Akers, Ezekiel Elliott, David Montgomery, C.E.H., and Kenneth Gainwell. At wide receiver, Chris Olave, Terry McLaren, Brandon Ayuk, and Michael Thomas. At tight end, Kyle Pitts and George Kittle. As far as draft capital goes, this team has the 103, the 109, the, 10, the 110, the 203, the 303, and in 2024, I have my own first, second, and third round pick. I'm a quarterback truther, so that is where I always start. Herbert is obviously the best player on this team. He is my current quarterback four. I'm very happy to have him. Two is currently my quarterback 14, which is a high-end QB2 in a 12-man league. He would be a few spots higher in my rankings if I wasn't concerned about the concussion issues. Howe showed some promise in the last game of the year, and it appears the Commanders are set to make him their starting QB in 2023. I'm a big fan of Jordan Love. I think he will be fantasy relevant once Rodgers moves on or gets traded. Mayfield feels like he is headed for a backup role next year. I am almost completely out on Willis at this point. I didn't really see anything from him last year that made me think that he can be a productive player in this league. Overall, I love this team's quarterback situation, but I am concerned about Tua's concussion history. Yeah, I think if I was you, I would be perfectly satisfied having Herbert and Tua as my one and two, all dependent on Tua's concussions going forward, obviously. If he continues to stay healthy, then I think you'll have one of the best one-two QBs in the league. The QB position and the tight end position are clearly the strengths of this roster. And I look at look at Tua and Herbert and Hal and Love and think, no matter if I'm going win now or win later, the depth of that position is definitely a huge strength of this team. Running back is a whole different story. Cam Akers is my highest rated running back on this team at RB24. That's barely RB22. Elliott and Montgomery are both running back threes in my opinion. CH is a running back four at best. Gainwell might gain some value if Sanders leaves and they don't bring anyone of note in, but that's doubtful. I think this team has a plenty of depth at running back, but is in desperate need of a stud and maybe another starter. The only running back that I look at on this roster that is for sure going to be a starter going into next year is Akers. He has clearly shown that he's starting to bounce back and looks like the running back from before. I actually have him quite a bit higher in my rankings. I would put him as a high RB2. Um, Elliott and Montgomery. Montgomery is in a contract year and a guy with a lot of uh, wear and tear on his body looking for a job that doesn't normally work well for a running back. Um, Elliot is in uh, a position where he just does not look like the explosive Elliot from before. So there's a lot of question marks there. I think he's a timeshare back at best. Uh, CH is dead to me. Um, I think he's just a complete uh, afterthought and Gainwell could see um, an uptick, 
But in all reality, with the strength of the 23 class at running back, they're very likely to bring somebody else in if Sanders is not there. Yeah, my evaluations are closer to Joe's at this point. I think Cam Akers is closer to a low-end RB2 for me. We are somewhere around there, maybe mid-level RB3s. CEH is not worth the roster spot at this point. Uh, Gainwell, you know, he's interesting to me because this is Boston Scott's last year in Philly. So, you know, it, they could be doing a a better duo tandem with Sanders and, and Gainwell, even if Sanders doesn't leave, or even if they have to bring in another guy. And wide receiver, this team's top guy is Chris Olave, who had a very promising rookie season. I currently have him rated as my wide receiver nine. After that, I don't have another wide receiver one or wide receiver two. McLaren is my wide receiver 28, and Ayuk is my wide receiver 30, making them both essentially high-end wide receiver threes in my rankings. I don't expect much out of Michael Thomas at this point. This wide receiver group is very thin, considering that this is a start three wide receiver league. I have very similar uh, evaluations on Olave and McLaren, but I would like to say that I think Ayuk is much higher in my rankings. I have him as my wide receiver 21, which is a low-end wide receiver too. I just feel like, Every time he steps on the field, he continues to show more and more. And with the injury concerns with Debo and Kittle and even McCaffrey, he has been the one consistent guy who has shown production. Yeah, my rankings are a lot closer to what Joe just said with Alave being wide receiver nine and McLaurin and Ayuk being uh, high-end wide receiver threes. You can expect more out of Ayuk and, and McLaurin maybe week to week with their ceilings being, I think, a little bit higher. At the end of the day, where my rankings are with them is, is right around wide receiver 28 and wide receiver 30. The tight end position is the biggest strength of this team, in my opinion. Even though Pitts had a frustrating season from a fantasy standpoint, he's still my tight end one. I trust that once the quarterback situation at Atlanta gets fixed, that Pitts will expand on what he did in his rookie season. George Kill is my tight end six. Injuries have certainly been a problem, but he's still a difference maker at the position. Yeah, Pitts is probably still the tight end one in a lot of rankings uh, throughout the dynasty community. My only worry would be when will the quarterback position get fixed and will that quarterback have the same connection with Pitts as Matt Ryan did with him. And yeah, Kittle is certainly... One of those, when he's on the field, he's a difference maker. But when is he going to be on the field? Um, Kyle Pitts right now is still clearly the uh, tight end one in Dynasty. I feel like he's got one more year of insulation uh, at that. If he doesn't produce this year, I look for him to start moving down rankings because... At some point, you can only go on talent until you have to see production, and he's going to have to produce on the field to continue to keep that status. This team has the 103, the 109, the 110, the 203, and the 303. It also has its own 2024 first, second, and third. That is four picks in the top 15 of this year's rookie draft. After analyzing this team's roster and draft capital, I believe it's time to move towards a win-now approach. I would like to accomplish this while keeping the team somewhat young. I prefer to not trade my younger players and draft capital for aging vets. I would like to hold on to my 2024 first in case the plan doesn't work, but if the right trade came along, I would probably ship it. I'm going to gamble with Tua as my quarterback too until we hear that he is seriously considering retirement. Ultimately, I think he will be back next season. Hal being rumored to be the starting quarterback for the Commanders should provide me with an extra layer of security at the position. Since I've decided I'm going, I'm good with my quarterback situation, that makes my top priority acquiring a young top five wide receiver. I feel comfortable with Kittle as my tight end one, provided I can add some depth at the position. He doesn't have enough trade value to return a player of picks that will be nearly as productive on game day. I'm going to shop Kyle Pitts to try, try to acquire the top tier wide receiver I want. 
I've thought of several possible trade offers that I might send out to try to accomplish this. Pitts for A.J. Brown, Pitts for Amon Ross St. Brown, Pitts for Waddle, Pitts in the 203 for Lamb, Pitts in the 110 for Chase, and Pitts the 110 and the 203 for Jefferson. What do you guys think of this plan? Uh, looking at this list of potential trades, uh, Pitts for A.J. Brown, I love that for this team. Uh, Pitts for Waddle would be my second choice. Pitts for Amon Ra, I would want something else with Amon Ra to bridge the gap. Pitts, Pitts in the 203 for Lamb. I'm not looking with this roster to trade multiple assets because I really look at this roster and think it needs more depth. So I don't want to trade multiple assets for another another guy, uh, which also means that I would not be looking to do pits in the 110 for Chase or pits in the 110 and the 203 for Jefferson as well. Well, and I should have probably mentioned this. This, this is in order of how I would like to accomplish this. So as a matter of, you know, number one is the, the trade I would like to pull off the most, number two, three, four, so on and so forth. I would prefer not to trade multiple assets to get the wide receiver I choose, but if, if I send that offer for A.J. Brown and they say no, if I send that offer for Amon Ra and they say no, and the same with Waddle, then I will try to trade Pitts in the 203 for Lamb because I think it's worth it. If that guy says no, I think Pitts in the 110 for Chase is worth it. And so on and so forth, all the way down to Jefferson, I, I do think Pitts the 110 and the 203 for Jefferson is, is very worth it. Yeah, I'm in a similar mindset to Ryan. I like the A.J. Brown uh, for Pitts straight up, and I actually prefer the Pitts for Omnidrop St. Brown straight up for Waddle. Um, but but a question I had, is there like a, a minimum that you're willing to get in return for Pitts, or is like this something that you've sat down and you've actually thought about and like that the – the pits for Amon Ross St. Brown, for instance, is that like the the last wide receiver you're willing to take for him straight up? Well, technically it would be Waddle because my list was A.J. Brown, Amon Ross, and then Waddles. But, yes, I'm not going lower on the tree than Waddle straight up. And I'm not going to trade Pitts straight up for a guy like Tyreek Hill, who I, I, I think is very good, obviously. But I'm not trading all that youth in pits to get someone of Tyreek Hill's age. Like I said before, I want to move win now, but I want to do it in a way that I still primarily stay young. I think I might take a different approach uh, with this. I think I would look in a non-point, when you're not scoring points right now, I think you can trade for a guy like a Tyreek Hill with pits. I think you can get Tyreek Hill plus. If you can do that for this roster, Hill's only 28 years old. It's not like he's an old wide receiver. He's still got plenty left in the tank. Like, I think you can do that instead of trying to trade for a guy like Lamb, Chase, or Jefferson. And then you can take those picks and possibly use those to instill youth into your roster and hopefully have somebody, once Tyreek Hill starts descending, you have have that guy that's there to take his place. It's not a bad thought. Uh, It's something I'd certainly consider doing. I I think I like my plan better than that but if i can't get any of these trades to work out who knows maybe i go down that route it's it's something i could you know definitely look into let's assume i accomplish one of these trades i'm pretty happy with my wide receiver group at that point with a top five guy alave mclaren and Ayuk. i'm pretty set on keeping acres at this point he's the one guy in my running back group that i think might have some upside going forward he looked pretty good the last four or five weeks of the season even with a win-now approach in mind, I would love to move Elliott, Montgomery, and Thomas. The reality is that their trade value is worth less than just keeping them on your roster for points on game day. Those guys can slide in nicely as your ninth and 10th guys in your lineup. Um, looking at Elliott, Montgomery, and Thomas, I'm not as optimistic as them being, for, for them being ninth and 10th starters, um, where they could clearly be that. I just worry that Elliot Montgomery uh, may not end up in the situation, and Thomas's health would be a huge concern for me as well. If Thomas is healthy, I think he is clearly the guy that would easily slip slip into the ninth spot 
Um, and then you'd have to hope that Elliot or Montgomery stick to be your 10. Well, I don't think all three of those guys are going to be probably ninth or 10th guys because there's going to be injuries. And, and, and there always is. But I don't have very many teams, and I don't think there's very many teams out there. There are some, but if you're not relying guys on, relying on guys like Elliot or Montgomery, then you're probably not ever going to move towards a win now approach. Those you you can, can you rely on Elliot Montgomery as your running back one or two? The rest of your lineup has to be fantastic to do that. But can you rely on them and some rookies that you get late in the first round, early in the second round? And some other guys that always come out of nowhere on your lineup to be your ninth and tenth starters, you absolutely can. Uh, my only concern here is like Elliot Montgomery. I think maybe you're looking at the name value and less about what the production is going to be going forward. Uh, I don't really think that Elliot. Anyone can argue that Elliot has startable uh, value every year that he's been in the league, including this year. And with Pollard potentially not coming back, I think he will, but potentially he will not be back. Elliot could be in for a bigger, bigger load than he was in had this year. He could, he could actually gain carries. He could actually gain uh, receiving attempts. Uh, it all depends on what happens going forward. But I, I'm just going to stick to the to that point that guys like Elliot and Montgomery are generally the kinds of guys that fill out championship roster lineups. That brings us to the rookie draft. I'm going to assume that I no longer possess the 110 after making the trade for a top-tier wide receiver. That leaves me with the 103, the 109, the 203, and the 303. The most likely scenario for the first two picks of the rookie draft is Bijan and either Young or Stroud. At this point, I'm going, to, I'm probably taking running back Jameer Gibbs from Alabama with the 103. He's exactly what my team needs at this point. He's a pass-catching prospect that would immediately slot in as this team's running back one. I might also try to shop the 103 to a quarterback needy team if that trade is available. If, the, if there's value in doing that, I would certainly pursue it. We're going to assume that Gibbs is the pick for this exercise, though. Yeah, I think going for a win-now approach... At the 103, you definitely need to be looking running back there, whether it's Gibbs or if a different running back comes out to the combine and becomes the RB2 of the class. If you do shop the 103, I still think you need to be looking to get a running back in return. I'm not sure there's very many running backs that I would take straight up for the 103 besides, obviously, the top three running backs in the league. So you would probably be getting the running back and a little bit more in return that you could use to add to your depth. Yeah, if I shopped the 103, I would definitely be looking to make a move that would get me a running back somehow, some way. Uh, you know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but maybe like the 110 and like uh, Austin Eckler. Maybe that's too much. Maybe the maybe the you know 203 and Austin Eckler, or I don't know. Uh, maybe that doesn't sound like enough to you guys, but if I would definitely if I was going to trade the pick, would try to do something that would get me a running back that would help me right now. Like, if I'm trying to win and I'm looking in that direction, I think I would look to, if I was going to trade the 103, I would probably try to trade it for a guy like McCaffrey because I feel like this team needs that consistency as far as production, where Gibbs may be a tremendous guy, and we all think that he's got that talent, you know when you put a guy like McCaffrey in your lineup, you're plugging in 20 to 25 points with upside every week. I prefer trading pick for value as opposed to trying to get McCaffrey with it pick straight up. The problem with acquiring McCaffrey is if you get the point scoring season and your team starts off 2-4, and 1-5, and five, whatever it may be, and he's part of the reason why, because he's gotten injured for whatever reason, then you're stuck with that uh, asset until it, to 2024. Nobody's going to give you any value from McCaffrey at that point. And uh, that might be fine if your team is full of veterans and that's, you know, winning now is kind of the only way you can go. But with this young roster, I would prefer not to have uh, dead uh, guys on my roster. That brings me to the 109. If any of my top three rookie wide receivers were to slip here, I would have to be happy to take them. 
It is unlikely that Johnston, Addison, or JSN is available at 109. I figure I'll be looking at a running back like Charbonnet or Evans. Ideally, what I would actually like to do with this pick is package it with maybe a 2024 second and get a guy like Eckler, Diggs, Adams, or Cup. Someone I can rely on to score well every week as long as they stay healthy. At the 203, I'm going to just take the best player available. That's a general rule of thumb for me with mid to late second round picks. This draft is pretty deep though, so there should be some pretty quality guys available at essentially the 15th overall pick. I love the idea of trading the 109 for a guy like Eckler, Diggs, Adams, or Cup. Like all of those guys are going to be instant production and possibly game changers towards winning a championship. Um, And then I I agree also with the 203 that I'm just going to try to take the best player available. And if not, maybe you try to find find a team that's got a guy like Keenan Allen or someone like that that you can get with the 203 to even solidify more the depth of the wide receiver position because of it being start three wide receiver. I think you could get a guy like uh, Keenan Allen, maybe even a Mike Evans, someone of that nature for the 203. When the rookie draft rolls around, these picks, even the early seconds, are going to be extremely valuable. Let's put a bow on this team. That leaves me with a week one potential starting lineup of Herbert at QB1, two at QB2, Gibbs at running back one, Akers at running back two, a top five wide receiver at wide receiver one, Alave at wide receiver two, McLaren at wide receiver three, Kittle at tight end one, Ayuk at the flex one, and Elliott at the flex two. This would leave me with whoever I selected or traded for with the 109, whoever I selected with the 203, Montgomery, CEH, and Thomas on my bench. The only other thing I would want to do is add tight end for depth at the position before the season started. I really like this potential roster. There is some definite star power and a decent amount of depth. Hopefully over the course of the offseason, I can find the right trade partners to make something like this happen. I like the looks of this team's starting lineup. I still have a lot of question marks with the depth at running back. I feel like with Gibbs, he may take some time to evolve, to be that, that number one guy. Uh, and also with Akers, I feel like I'm a huge fan of Akers, but his consistency level has been up and down. And having those two guys as your number one and number two running backs with the question marks at the depth position at running back, the running back position to me is very shaky at best. I love the wide receiver core. And obviously, Kittle, when healthy, is a top five guy at the position. Uh, The quarterback position is great. Everything else is there. I just have huge concerns with the running back position. Yeah, I think that the presently constructed team has an extremely high ceiling. I mean, looking at the team with Herbert and Tua as your QB1 and QB2, those two themselves (coughs) should be able to win you games you know, some weeks as it is. And then Gibbs coming in there, Gibbs could very well be a top five, top ten running back in 2023 because he's going to go to an RV needy team. And then Akers has such a high ceiling that I, I think if those two guys are able to achieve even close to their ceiling, it's not really going to matter very much what Elliott and Montgomery do. But I, I do agree to an extent that the ceiling is high, but the floor is also somewhat low when it comes to the RB group. Well, the RB group is still the biggest concern on this team, even after construction. But I, I, I will continue to disagree with one aspect of it. The problem is at the top end, still is. The top end's better than it was, but it's still at the top end. But you're looking at, if you look at this roster, you have Gibbs, Akers, you have whoever I take at the 109, which we said is most likely a a uh, running back, you have Montgomery and Elliott. You have five guys that are going to be in the top 30 running backs uh, in the rankings going into the, probably even into the season, as long as Montgomery lands somewhere. If it's not the Bears, he's landing somewhere. you got five top 30 guys. The problem is not at all with the depth. I, I, I disagree with that 
entirely. The problem is with the top side, but there is there is upside for the top side that top side to be there with Gibbs and Acres. That's why I feel like with like the one oh nine, um going out and trying to use that and package together to get a guy like Eckler to give you more stability is probably better than taking an unproven asset. This team is looking for stability at that running back. And it is there there's a tremendous amount of upside with Gibbs and Akers. Like both of those guys could be RB ones this next season. But they also could be guys who just don't quite pan out to the point where you think that they're going to be. And it's like it this team is lacking that one consistent asset at that position that you know you can depend on from week to week. Well, and as you know, I, I'm the one who originally brought up the Eckler for the 109 and the 203, and I would love to do that. This final product is more of what I think I can accomplish as opposed to what I hope to accomplish. But absolutely, Eckler would make this running back core a lot better. But and it, what he would what he would really uh, do for this running back core is give it the top end that I think it so desperately needs. As far as the overall depth, I don't think it greatly improves the depth. It just makes that top end and that starting lineup much, much more potent. Yeah, to touch on Ryan's point a little bit, I think where our questioning is coming into play is that if Gibbs and Akers don't reach their ceilings or even close to their ceilings, then you're stuck with five guys who you're not sure if you can get even 10 points out of on a week to week basis. If, if Gibbs and Akers pan out, obviously then, then we don't need to worry about what Elliot and Montgomery are doing. But if Akers or Gibbs aren't hitting their full potential, then you're, you're stuck with the, the depths that you may not be able to rely on on a week to week basis. Well, again, I don't think it's the depth. I think it's the, them guys, those guys not giving you enough points. But where I make up for those points are with Herbert and Tua and Jefferson and Olave and Kittle. I would love for this to be a lineup where I was stacked at every position, but I just don't feel like in, in Dynasty that's a reality very often. We all have those teams. I, I know Ryan has uh, one or two of those teams. I have one or two of those teams. Uh, Luigi, I'm sure you do too. I'm not familiar with your rosters, but you know, one or two teams out of 18 is certainly not the norm. So I think maybe that, uh, in all honesty, maybe y'all are just looking at this roster with a little too critical of an eye, especially at the running back position. Yes, it's not the best running back group ever. It's probably not even the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh best running back group ever. But with the strengths at the other position, I, I think that this is a perfectly adequate group to make a playoff run and, and potentially be one of the top two or three teams in the league, provided that I don't have a, a slew of injuries. I think maybe part of the reason that we're being so critical of this running back group is we both decided, which you'll find out here soon, that we both decided to go win later. That makes sense. And, you know, that's that's a good uh, segue. Now I want to hear which way you guys would take this roster. Uh, Luigi and Ryan have decided to tackle this together since they both decided to go rebuild, retool with this roster. Yeah, so like Joe said, Ryan and I uh, felt the same direction needed to be a win later with this team. So we're just going to go through the roster and, you know, kind of discuss where we think you should, you should go with, you know, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receiver, tight ends, and the draft picks um, in, in that order. Uh, so I'm going to start with the, the quarterbacks. You know, the, the roster has Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, and Malik Willis. Um, obviously, even in a win later team, Herbert and Tua just slot in there as a quarterback one and quarterback two because you're going to have those guys probably ten years from now. Um, so it, it's not like it's not like they're depreciating assets that needed to be traded off of a win now team or a win later team. And then you've got Jordan Love. You know he very well could be the starter in uh, in Green Bay next year. So you've got. 
you know, a potential quarterback three there. And then Sam Howell was just in the news over the weekend where uh, the commanders were saying that they're going to move forward with him as their quarterback in 2023. So I'm sure out of those two guys, you could have a, a quarterback three, uh, even if you win later. And then you come down to Malik Willis, who, you know, he was considered a long-term project when he was drafted, and he went to a team that doesn't throw the ball, and he didn't really look very good. So I'm honestly completely out on Malik Willis. Um, I feel like there's a huge amount of consistency at the top in Herbert and Tua. Uh, both both of those guys I have as QB1s. Um, Herbert is my QB4, and Tua is my QB12. Um, Jordan Love and Sam Howell give upside and depth to it. And also, looking at the draft capital, um, a guy like probably C.J. Stroud is going to be there at the 103. And with building liquid assets and trying to uh, accumulate talent, you can't go wrong with taking more quarterbacks. And I plan on, I, I, I think that it's it's good to just stockpile in that position because not only, not only does it do that, but like your potential points in a lot of leagues is how your uh, draft capital is, is decided. And stockpiling a lot of talent at one position is always a good strategy. Yeah, I agree with you on the 103. I, I think you have to take a quarterback there because I think either Stroud or Young, or even if Anthony Richardson or Will Levis come out and just blow you away as the as the second-best quarterback in the draft, any of those guys are only going to gain more value as the season goes along. So if you really want to to trade a you know the 103 then I would just wait and hold it until the quarterback gains more value later in the year and you'll get more out of that quarterback. So I would approach this quarterback group pretty similarly to the way that I approached uh, them as a win-now team. Win-later, win-now, this quarterback group is pretty much the same to me. Uh, the only difference there might be, and, and Ryan touched on this, is that the 103 I would easily spend on Younger Stroud if – I'm at the 103. But what I would try to do if I were you guys is I would try to trade that pick for whatever value I could get out of it. Just because I don't think you need a quarterback necessarily. You're just trying – you are trying to stockpile talent. I get that. Uh, and I think – I want to clarify that. I think Ron misspoke a little bit. He said you want to try to stockpile uh, in a win later. You want to try to stockpile talent at, at any position. But I think what he meant was probably just quarterback, maybe quarterback – wide receiver, uh, tight end. I definitely don't believe that Ryan thinks you should be stockpiling talent at running back on a win later team. Oh yeah, that, that that's for sure. Like what I'm what what I'm trying to do is accumulate as much talent at positions that are gonna have longevity. And obviously running back does not have longevity. And you're starting at the quarterback position obviously, uh, obviously because I'm, I'm, that's, that's gonna give you your most long term value. Yes. Now let's look at the uh, running back position. You have Cam Akers, Ezekiel Elliott, David Montgomery, CEH, and Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, the only real person I have interest in keeping on this roster is Akers. Um, I feel like he could accumulate value throughout the offseason and by point scoring season, you could either keep him because he's a young asset or trade him for possibly uh, a future first. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell also has some interest to me on this roster because of the situation, the running back situation in Philly. If they don't bring anyone in in the draft, he could see a spike in value as possibly a satellite back. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, David Montgomery, and CEH to me have very little uh, value for this team, and I'm just looking to try to shed these points as best I can. I don't want any of these guys on my roster going into the into the uh, season. Um, I would love to be able to trade these running backs for guys like uh, Josh Palmer or Terrace Marshall or someone like that. 
Um, those two guys are both possibilities to help solidify the wide receiver core without um, having to use future draft capital to do so and get those get those running backs off your roster. Like, you can't go into the season with those guys on your roster. Yeah, I agree. I think Akers and Gainwell are the only two running backs uh, of the five that you want to enter the season with. Even if you have to lose a little bit of value by trading Ezekiel Elliott for, I don't know, a, a late second, early third, or even combining the two guys to get the highest second that you can, that's something that you really have to do going into the season because you don't want those two guys on your roster scoring points. So with Elliott and Montgomery, I'm absolutely on board with you guys. Trade them for whatever you can get for them. Hopefully a second or better. Uh, some of the players I'll mention are fine. Some of the wide receivers, I could you could target some of those guys. Maybe, to me, maybe Terrace Marshall is a little too far for Elliott and Montgomery. I think they're both worth quite a bit more than him. But maybe Terrace Marshall in a late second or a third, something like that, maybe. Uh, CEH, I would definitely be on board with trading him, but I wouldn't just give CEH away. To me, CEH is still a better dart throw than just taking a third for him. Uh, he has shown some flashes, albeit not very many, but I'd much rather have CEH than like the 305 or the 306. I think the chances of, of, of him popping off is, is still greater than, than going that far down the line. Gainwell is a guy, he doesn't have any value right now, so I'm just keeping him to see what happens, like you guys said. Uh, as far as Akers go, I, I like what uh, Ryan initially said about waiting to the season to trade him, but I would still throw those feelers out there right now, and maybe you would get laughed at, maybe if you asked for a first right now, but you never know. Somebody might be just as high on Akers as, as you are, Ryan. Uh, you said maybe it was off camera or maybe you said earlier that you think that he has top five upside. So if somebody really feels that way, maybe they give you a late 2023 first or a 2024 first one right now. It doesn't hurt to send those offers. Yeah. When it comes to CEH, you know, it, it, it's kind of crazy how the chiefs offense works because at the beginning of the year, it didn't seem like they were targeting their running backs and then CEH got hurt. And then they started targeting their running backs. And that's really what CH is known for is his pass catching ability. All right. Now we're going to move on to wide receivers. Uh, the team has Chris Olave, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk, and Michael Thomas. Uh, the way I see this wide receiver group heading into the season in a win later team is I think you have to find a way to get Michael Thomas off your roster for maybe a younger wide receiver. You're definitely going to have to lose value on him. A guy I have in mind as a New England Patriots fan is Tyquan Thornton. Um, and then you're you're going to be spending at least two of your draft picks on wide receivers, whether it's the 109 or the 110 and the 203. So, you know, there there's four or five wide receivers that are considered to be in the top end of this year's draft. And one guy that I think you'll be able to get at the 110 is, as an LSU Tigers fan, Kayshawn Boutte. So that would be the guy that I would be targeting at the 110. And then at the 203, you're just looking at the best wide receiver available. Well, I'm not necessarily going to say that I'm going to take a wide receiver with the 203. I think at that point, you take the best player available, not, not even looking at position. Like, if there's a running back there that you clearly like, at this point, I'm going to put him on my roster. And with a guy like Michael Thomas, like I'm looking to package a third with him and move up into the second, hopefully find somebody, hopefully move up there and then get a young young asset at that point. Uh, I love the – I love Alave and Ayuk. Uh, both of those guys are – I'm tremendously high on. I'm obviously higher on Ayuk than both of you guys are. Uh, McLaren, I'm not as – high on but hopefully if they can get some consistent quarterback play maybe he starts to spike in value as well if you're going to trade mclaren uh, and neither one of you said that but i'm assuming it's an option what do you have to get in return i would trade him for uh 24 first okay 
so the way I look at this wide receiver group is pretty for in the win later approach. It's pretty similar to what's been said. Olave and Ayuk can absolutely stay. They're young enough. McLaren, I would try to move, but I'm okay if I can't move him. Uh, Thomas, I, I like Ryan's trade better than Luigi's. I'm, I, I, Tyquan Thornton is a third round dart throw at best. It, it got, you guys are probably figuring out by now. I'm not real huge on third round picks. Much rather take that third and Michael Thomas and move to the middle, middle of the second where there's a lot better hit rate, in my opinion. Um, as far as the draft picks go, at 109 and 110, I'm just taking best player available, period. And I, I, this hasn't been said yet. Maybe y'all are waiting to say it, but there's a chance that Will Levis gets to the 109 or the, or the 110. There's a chance that Richardson's there and you really like Richardson. I wouldn't limit it to just wideouts, but I would agree that the most likely candidates for the 109, 110, and the 203, most likely candidates are wide receivers, yes. Uh, I would agree with you on thirds. Like, I am not a person who likes to accumulate thirds at all. Like, I know people have had success doing that, but it's just not my style. I love taking a third and packaging with a player to move up into the second. Yeah, but I think the thing you have to remember is I don't think you'd be able to get a third and Michael Thomas done for a second. I just don't think so. I think Michael Thomas is one of those guys that people are so out on that the they would, they're not willing to trade a second even if you add a third to it. But I think getting a guy like Tyquan Thornton, who, yes, he is probably valued at a, an early third-round pick, but he at least has a decent enough upside that it could very well jolt him into being a, worth a second-round pick by the beginning of the season. Where I think it might be hard to get a 23 first, um, I think you can do that package, that third, with Michael Thomas to get a 24. Or tw- you mean, you mean I mean, a, second. a second, excuse me. Uh, I, I think you can, you can get a 24 24 second uh, for Michael Thomas in the third. Most teams that are going to try to score points are going to be willing to take that risk. To Luigi's last point, I would rather keep Michael Thomas than take a third and hope that he comes back healthy, spikes, and then all of a sudden, if he spikes well enough, I might get an early second in 2024 form or mid-second. I'd rather gamble on Michael Thomas than gamble on a third-round dart throw. That's just the way I usually approach these things. There's even a possibility that if he spikes well enough, you might be able to trade him in a second for a first. That would be exceptional, but yeah, yes, it could but happen. I mean, it, it's it's not likely. But you never know. All it takes is one 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 guy who falls in love with his production, and there you go. Now let's look at the tight end position. Uh, this is clearly a strength of this roster. You have Kyle Pitts and George George Kittle. Both of those guys are tremendous assets at this position. Um, looking at the roster, I want to for sure keep Pitts on a win later team. And in a perfect world, I would love to be able to trade George Kittle. But his trade value is not where I am willing to just give him away. Uh, I would rather keep keep his production and hope that within two years that his production is going to help me win. So with, with Kittle, what is the, I'm going to say lowest draft pick that you'll take with Kittle on the 203. So package of 203 Kittle, what is the, the lowest draft pick you would be willing to get in return? Like, if I'm trading Kittle, like, I want multiple assets, so, like, I'm not willing to really package up to move up. Like, I would rather trade him for, say, a second this year and a 24 first or something like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not, will, I'm not willing to lose uh, assets to move up. Okay, so let's say the 108 is on the clock. Uh, and uh, Will Levis is there. You're not willing to trade the 203 and, and Kittle for Will Levis? Not with this current roster. Like We've already got so much value in the quarterback position that I'm not willing to give multiple assets up to do so. So uh, I, I agree that this team needs to trade Kittle if you're going with a win-later approach. 
But the problem with trading Kittle, and Ryan alluded to this a little bit, is he has no value. Compared to, compared to what he produces on the field, he has no value right now. I tried to trade him in multiple leagues around the trade deadline, leagues where I was in a win-later mode, and, and you just can't get anything for George Kittle right now. And I'm not ever in favor of selling guys way below their value just because they're veterans or whatnot. And the trade that Luigi's proposing, the 103, or the 203, excuse me, and kill to move up to the 108, you're moving up, what, seven spots there? And if you really need a quarterback badly and you have lots of faith in a guy like Will Levis, I don't guess it's terrible, but to me, you're you're losing value on that trade. I would, I would much rather move Kittle for a late first, but that being said, that's going to be really hard to do. So, Joe, what is the earliest or late, lowest draft pick you would trade Kittle in the two hundred three for? Let's just say, let's just say somebody offered you the one hundred six for Kittle in the two hundred three. So at the 106, let's do the simple math here. Let's do the two uh, quarterbacks at the top of the draft and Bijan. So I can get guaranteed to get one of my top three wide receivers there, even if they go four, five, six. Or Gibbs. Or Gibbs. I, I'm not really targeting Gibbs with this lineup, as we've talked about before, with going with a win later approach. Uh, but if Gibbs is there at 106, I probably would take him. Uh, but – it would be a tough pill to swallow, but based on knowing how hard it's been to uh, trade George Kittle as of late, I might be willing to do that with a win later approach. And part of that is is because you have draft options at the tight end position if you do this later on in the draft, which I'm sure is going to be touched on in just a minute. Uh, but I would much rather, if I'm being honest with you, I would much rather get to 104. And I know that's that's tough. Even if the quarterbacks are at least at 104, if I'm trading the 203 and Kittle, at least I get my pick of the three wide receivers that I want. I think trading the 203 and Kittle to move up to the 106 uh, with the hype around the, these rookies, I think is kind of a pipe dream. I don't think with Kittle's value, I just don't think you can reach that theoretical. Like, I don't think anyone is going to give you the 106 for a second and George Kittle. Like, I, the value is correct, but I just don't think you're going to find a trade partner that's going to do Yeah, I think the 108 or the 109 is much more realistic, and I think that's kind of the problem because at, at 108, I'm just – I'm not interested in that unless I really love Will Levis and my quarterback situation is much less desirable than the one that we have on this team. Like – uh, the thing with the 109, like, we, we have the 109, and I'm going to just hopefully slam Meyer at that spot. Like, I want to have as much uh, talent at the tight end position as I can. With two tight end premium, I feel like it is such a huge advantage to have so. Yeah, the 109, and earlier whenever I was talking about wide receivers, and I said the, the 110 and the 203, in my mind, at the 109, you're taking Michael Meyer. And, I mean, that's just a given when it comes to the 2.0 tight end premium and the way that the roster is constructed. And I would absolutely, unless some of those top-tier wide receivers or Will Levis slip into the 109 and the 110, I would have Michael Meyer on this team. But I will say that trading Kittle makes that even sweeter. But even if I even if Kittle had to stay on my team because I couldn't get what I wanted for him, I'm I'm almost certainly going to take Michael Mayer in that spot. Um, the thing with Kittle is I'm willing to go with him into the season, let his production be shown, and then I think you can get his true value. Yeah, I was just going to say the the starting lineup you can have three tight ends. So even if it's Pitts and Kittle and Meyer. You've got those three guys that are performing at a high level. I mean, you, you're able to start all three of those guys. I disagree with Ron's last point because Kittle was really starting to turn it on around the trade deadline and could have made a huge difference on multiple playoff teams and tight end premium, and you still couldn't give that guy away. But I think 
a lot of teams will look back and where they didn't trade for the Kelseys or the Kittles or those guys at the trade deadline, those guys, even in non-tight end premium, are the difference makers in a lot of these rosters. The people who were willing to make those moves won championships. The people who didn't, they ended up finishing in the third, fourth game and didn't get what they were hoping to get. I completely agree with you, but I don't remember a single instance <laughs> in the last two to three weeks before the trade deadline in any of my 18 leagues where anybody went out and made a trade for Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Do I believe that there's plenty of teams that should have? Absolutely, but it just didn't happen. And I'm not sure that anyone's going to learn their lesson. I think that there's a stigma now on aging veteran players, and we just don't want these guys no matter what. And I think that for whatever reason, with Kittle, it's it's more understandable with all the injury concerns. But even, even Kelsey, I, I felt like that I didn't see any Kelsey trades around the deadline. People just don't want a 34-year-old guy who will win you $300, 400 well, I didn't have I didn't have a lot of my window rosters that I went out and got those type guys because I already had those guys on my roster. Like because those are the guys that are making me win championships. Sure, I'm not talking about you necessarily, but in, in the course of 18 leagues, you would think you would see it. And did anyone else see a lot of Kelsey trades around the trade deadline, or am I am I alone in this? Well, most of the teams. The problem is most of the teams that had Kelsey. Or competing for championships. That's true. And I there there was there were two teams of mine where I tried to move Kelsey aggressively and got no bites whatsoever. So yeah. maybe that's skewing well, my, one, one of those is a column team. Maybe that's skewing my opinion a little bit, but so to recap the win later team that Ryan and I have constructed at quarterback, we've got Justin Herbert, Tua Takavaloa, CJ Stroud, Sam Howell, and Jordan Love. At running back, we have Cam Akers and Kenneth Gainwell. At wide receiver, we have Chris Olave, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk, whichever wide receiver we select at the 109 and at the 203. At tight end, we have Pitts, Kittle, and Michael Meyer. And we still have the same tradable assets of Ezekiel Elliott, David Montgomery, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Michael Thomas. So looking at the team... Uh, we're extremely deep at, at quarterback and wide receiver and tight end. Obviously, as a win-later team, you, you don't need to be as deep at running back. But you've also got assets that will appreciate and C.J. Stroud and the wide receivers that you take at the 109 and 203, as well as whatever you're able to acquire for trading um, the four tradable assets that I listed. So overall, I'm pretty happy with the outlook of the team for the future. I think it's probably one to two years away from winning. But it still has a solid core at wide receiver and tight end, as well as the depth at quarterback. I love the overall outlook of this roster. It's definitely trending in the right directions for a win now. Um, in a perfect world, I still would like to move Acres and get him off the roster so that we have zero running backs on the roster that are scoring points, just to allow us to hopefully get a higher pick in the 2024 class. Um, would love to be able to package some of these guys, some of these uh, assets together and accumulate more future draft picks. I feel like the 24 class is um, a little underrated right now, but those assets are really going to become a great thing. Um, guys, the tight end position has another really good player coming out out in Bauer uh, next year. And he could very easily be one of those guys that's going to be a first-round talent as well. But I love the fact that this team has just really got a lot of assets that can be moved and interchanged. Uh, the availability of having three quarterbacks that I think could could, po could possibly be studs then or, or already studs is a huge thing. So when you look at this from a win later approach, yeah, I mean, you've got some good assets, uh, some things I'm going to continue to do. We've already said that Elliot, Monty, CH, and Michael Thomas are probably off the team. You're probably picking up some seconds and some thirds or some Palmer, Marshall type players like you guys said earlier. I'm still going to be all the way – 
up until the point, throwing those feelers out there for acres and kittles, seeing if there's a trade out there. If there's not, I'll go into the season with them. Uh, same with McLaren. Uh, I'm going to put the feelers out there. I don't mind so much keeping McLaren if I can't get a deal done, but I'm definitely going to try. Uh, another thing that I'm going to do aggressively, and I think that you guys probably might disagree with this, I'm going to be sending tons of offers involving Tua and Stroud. Not both of them, because I definitely want to make sure I keep one of them. But I'm going to send all kinds of offers, starting from the time the rookie draft ends all the way to, to the trade deadline during the season, seeing if I can accumulate the value that I want based on what I think those guys are worth. Because that's the reason why you stockpile quarterbacks is because eventually, whenever you win later, you stockpile quarterbacks because eventually you get that value. So I'm going to try to get that value right now. And if I can't, I'll take them into 2024. Uh, one thing I disagree with what Ron said on, the 2024 class is not underrated right now. Uh, the People are talking about the 2024 class almost like it's going to be the second coming of 2023. I think that's where we're going to end it for this week. So that'll do it for the first episode of the Dynasty Dreamers podcast. Thank you for joining us. Please leave any comments on the roster where you looked at or the show in general below. I would love to hear if the listeners would go win now or win later with this roster. We hope you join us next time. For my co-hosts, Luigi Federico and Ryan Nunn, this is Joe Galloway signing off.